welcome to Board Game Binge. The place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Zlatko Savage from a game designer from Infinite Galaxy Games. The premier title, Eye of Zamrock, is relaunching soon on Kickstarter. Zlatko, welcome to The Binge. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Thank you oh, for having me. It is great to have you. I want to just uh, first, uh, I, what I want to say to the gate is you're the first Serbian uh, that I've uh, had on the, the podcast. That, that's that's so cool. Um, how big is the gaming industry there? Well, it's uh, on the rise. We have, uh, well, we have created a Serbian tabletop guild recently. Oh, so cool. we have like, it's a, a group of 10 teams and uh, they, we're closely working together. We've been on the Essence Peel 22 together, had a big booth there. So the, uh, there are lots of games going on right here and uh, fewer on Kickstarter right now. Is it like a large community there? And is the community rooted in like, um, like, like meetup groups or like board game cafes or, or how do you guys kind of get together to game? Well, uh, it just started recently. So it's not something that's been going on for a long time, but uh, there were like a uh, few special places and uh, now you can find uh, game game cafes all around, <laughs> so it's cool. Yeah, it's, it's so awesome there. to see the the growth of this hobby, and yeah. you know, globally, right? You're seeing gaming cafes mm -hmm. pop up everywhere, meetup groups mm -hmm. for people to get together and game together, and uh, and certainly uh, commiserate and get around uh, the table and throw some dice and and, and have some fun. Um, how long have you personally been kind of in the gaming industry? Is this something you've done your whole, like, have you been gaming your whole life or when did you get into kind of board games? Uh, well, I've been, uh, well, I've been playing games all my life. <laughs> so basically yeah. I got ZX Spectrum in, uh, 85. I played it with my dad. Then we played all the games we had. Then we started making our own. <laughs> That's for the video games. And then, uh, my first let's say touch with the tabletop gaming was uh, in 2000 uh, we heard of something like advanced Dungeons and dragons and uh, mm -hmm. we needed somebody who would uh, take his story and uh, tell it to the others and lead the game so i became naturally a game master there <laughs> for dungeon master and i've been like for well 23 years dungeon mastering wow and, so uh, hmm? Yeah, I was going to say D&D. So is this something, like, has it always been kind of more RPG or have you played any of the casual games as well or or you've uh, kind of stuck to yeah, that genre? Yeah, yeah. I've been all around. Uh, basically, uh, I haven't been playing much of other things until, like, let's say 2010. Mm. And in 2008, I started making my first uh, board game. Uh, uh, I was... Uh, I needed something to play quickly, so I decided to make, uh, it's called Zarina, uh, it's still in finishing phases and it's not over yet, <laughs> so yeah. that's probably one of my next games to publish. Uh, and uh, well, after that, uh, when I got married with my wife, uh, we decided that we really loved tabletop gaming and uh, board games and uh, we have now our 60, 70 games and we play them. <laughs> all day wow so, yeah. <laughs> and, 
and so your and your day job, I think I was reading, is uh, mm -hmm. a librarian, but you're also a software yeah. developer. Is that? Yeah, I started as a librarian. I worked okay. in the library for twelve years, and then after that, uh, I uh, turned to programming, and uh, I'm still there. So wow, it's amazing the number of people I talk to that are um, board game designers that started in, mm -hmm. in in the software industry, right? Uh, and mm -hmm. see it as a way of you know getting more tactile and kind of getting away from the computer it was is board yeah. games an escape from you in, in that regards like do you use it as a way to kind of get away from the computer or do you still see mm. them kind of connected or mm. well to be honest no <laughs> uh i just love to play board games so there is uh, like escaping from everything <laughs> yeah we can say it like that and your software development is it more along mm -hmm. the lines of like user interface, user experience, or what kind of software mm -hmm. development do you do? Well, actually, I started. Uh, I've been developing lots of things like Android apps and and stuff like that. But then I turned to enterprise development. Now I'm working as a mm -hmm. project manager, so it's it's been a long road. Wow. Now, Infinite Galaxy. My understanding is there's a mm -hmm. number of you. I think there's four of you all together that yeah. form this company. Uh, yeah, how did you guys all connect? Like, how did you guys get together? Well. Uh, one of them is my brother. Yeah. Uh, uh, the other two, one is his friend, and uh, the other one is my friend. <laughs> so that's how we got together. Uh, it all started some, uh, let's say, seven years ago when we were on. A, there was this board game jam, and uh, I said, "Okay, let's go." And I brought my friend there, and uh, then we found out that okay, we cannot do it alone. We called my brother and uh, some other friends, and we created some cool game. It was like a version of Monopoly or something like that. And then uh, we stopped working on that some six months into it. And uh, But we won that game jam, to, to be honest. And uh, after that, we decided, OK, we need to make a game together, because this is going good. And um, I don't know if it's sadly or for good, uh, we created a monster of a game. <laughs> you see today it took us uh, more than five years to, to wow. make it where it's at so and then I mean, how it has been completely only working on that because we had lives in between this is sure started as a hobby now we turned it into a business because we really wanted to make it and uh, to make it good and how do you guys play test it so you know in a country where gaming is emerging um, mm -hmm. Is it a lot of online playtesting, or how do you kind of get it out there for people to try? Well, firstly, we started off with uh, friends. Uh, now we have uh, two games running around Europe, and people are playtesting it. And uh, also, uh, there are uh, gaming groups here. There are some also professional gaming groups uh, mm. that we are planning to test with. Uh, so we will see how it goes. And this I this idea of I as Zamrock, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. So can you explain what I as Zamrock uh, is? Yeah, well, since I was in grammar school, uh, I started uh, drawing some uh, comic books, uh, short stories, and uh, I don't know, songs, poems about uh, this world of Zamrock. Okay. It was uh, about, um, there was this god that, that was slain in the universe, and uh, his head was uh, drifting, and... Uh, uh, stopped at the conflicts of uh, all magical sciencey things. Uh, I mean, back then that was all there is to me. And uh, that God, while uh, he was dying, uh, he cried out and created the oceans. And then, with his life, uh, dying breath, he created the world of Zamrock and uh, 
how things came to be. And uh, I started sketching things uh, about that and uh, even writing a book in the early 2000s. But then I stopped working on the book, uh, sadly. Maybe I'll write it now because everybody's talking about that. Yeah. And uh, well, in 2000, uh, when I started uh, uh, Dungeon Mastering, uh, I decided not to use Forgotten Realms or anything. I used World of Zamrak. So all the stories and everything that's happening is actually all the lore is coming from 20 years of uh, playing RPG in that world. Oh, wow. And how would you describe this game? Would you describe it as RPG? Would you describe it more as a board game? How would you describe it? Uh, well, it, it's a board game. You yeah. have some some RPG elements like uh, questing with your heroes and uh, uh, sort of developing heroes with uh, their items. Uh, but uh, it's mostly a strategy game. Uh, and also you have an economy, which is like a real fight is in the economy part. Mm -hmm. So that's the hidden hidden uh, beast behind the game. And then, how did you convince the other three to to go with this game? Was it a pretty easy sell to get them to to say, "Yeah, let's let's pursue this game first? Mm, well, uh, I think uh, we all wanted that <laughs> at that yeah. moment. Uh, the The problem is when you work with uh, three other people on on one project, uh, we first needed to align our wishes for the game. Because uh, we all come from different backgrounds uh, uh, and uh, we do different stuff in life. And uh, then uh, I, I'm the one, uh, okay, they said, okay, we like the idea, let's do it. And then I uh, said, okay, I got this, this, this. And we got uh, like a huge game. Uh, we tried it first. We played for 17 hours. It wasn't a good experience. And then we decided, okay, cut this, cut this. And uh, the other guys jumped in and they said, okay, this is a cool idea. And we started working on it and uh, years passed and uh, we have it now. No, it's cool. It's so awesome working with um, with family, I find too, and things like that. My, my game mm -hmm. design partner is my brother. And often mm -hmm. we will do that. We'll start off with a really, really rough rudimentary idea. Mm -hmm. And then we just start kind of going back and forth and and you know what do we take off what do we build on and mm -hmm. uh and usually we end up with something that uh that we both love right and it's it's kind yeah. of pursuing that passion that river of passion and and getting to uh getting to something that you're both going to be um not only excited about but you know can't wait to kind of get back on the table and, and see how you can reiterate re even more uh it's it's a cool experience i find that different uh than working just with others right like when you have that mm -hmm. family member who you may have even grown up playing games together right it's uh right. you've kind of got that shorthand built in which is which is pretty cool exactly. this uh, story of eye of zamrock is this something mm -hmm. that uh you said you wrote like a like i guess a book on this did did you ever do it as mm -hmm. like a um uh like a graphic novel or anything like that or, or how far did you take the book uh well, I start. Uh, I just drew some short comics about it, but I never published anything about it. So, I got an early draft about one thousand pages. <laughs> so it's <laughs> nearly there. It's super cool. Is it? I mean, I could see this being something uh, even as a graphic novel. Uh, and I was showing mm -hmm. it on the page here uh, for people who are mm -hmm. watching live or on the on the repeat. Um, <laughs> the characters are so cool uh, that you guys have created. 
um, this one uh, character, I guess you call it, where it's got a creature that's kind of, it's like almost like a skin suit that it's wearing, I guess is the best way I could describe mm-hmm. it. Um, how'd you come up with these different creatures? Like this is, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say something out of nightmares, but certainly uh, there's a lot of creativity around these characters so, you've come up with and these minis and so forth. Uh, the thing is uh, the game itself is actually happening right after my book. Mm. So this is the continuation of uh, what happened at the end of the book. And uh, it's happening like 10 years after the demon king is slain. Well, that's. Uh, is that then leave you open to do a prequel at some point and uh, to have it about the actual book itself or. And that might happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this game you guys put on Kickstarter and this is how you and I first connected. Uh, I saw it on Kickstarter mm-hmm. a few weeks back. Um, mm-hmm. You reached, uh, I believe it was, I'll put this in Canadian dollars. Uh, because uh, it's a large number always, but uh, thirty six thousand five hundred dollars, uh, mm-hmm. and I think it was about a week in. Then you guys decide we got to pull this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you had a, a goal that was quite high of ninety four thousand. Um, you know, first of all, I just want to say um, kudos to you for uh, a agreeing to come on the podcast after you've pulled a campaign, because uh, I think there's a lot of learnings that we can share with other people, which is which is what this is all about, right? How can we? Yeah pay it forward. And, and as a community, how can we all learn from each other? Um, but to having the, uh, I would say the bravery to pull the campaign and it is, it is excruciatingly hard to pull a campaign, not as difficult to hit the button, right? The button is easy to, mm. to, to say, you know, cancel the campaign and on Kickstarter, it's probably the easiest, uh, platform to cancel a campaign on. Um, but just when you have that internal struggle going where, you have people saying you can do it, right? Because you were always told since you're a young kid, never give up, mm. right? Keep persevering yeah, through. And the reality is in this industry uh, with Kickstarter campaigns, the math is the math. And a yeah. lot of people get trapped with thinking, well, you know, I've got a couple of friends and family and loved ones that want to see me kind of be successful and they don't want to see me. Qu- they see it as necessarily quitting. And mm you know, you got to kind of put that aside and say, no, I got to do what's right based on the campaign. Because if I grind this out and this thing um, doesn't fund and the math is clearly showing it's not going to fund, A, it's not super respectful to the backers um, that that you're bringing in later on the campaign after you know it's not going to make it. And two, there's an opportunity cost of what your campaign could be when you relaunch it. Right. And, and how much mm-hmm. bigger it could be and how much more funded it could be when it, when it relaunches and, and all the opportunities to retool. So, um, I know it is, I've done it myself. I've pulled a campaign. I know it's a very, very, uh, tough call. So, uh, I just want to, you know, say to you guys, congrats on that. Cause I, I know that it, it, it was tough. Um, so that being said, what were some of the lessons you had that you've learned as, a, what are some of the things that you think you guys should have done differently uh, going into this, uh, uh, this campaign that puts you in this position to uh, have to pull it. Okay, so firstly, uh, we had some technical errors in the beginning, uh, probably because uh, we are rookies in this and uh, we weren't sure how things correctly work or probably haven't been informed. Now we know all about it. So there was a confusion about pledges in the beginning. We probably lost uh, quite a number of backers because of that. What do you mean by confusion uh, around the pledges? Like, what was the confusion? Uh, well, uh, we started the campaign uh, where uh, the 
fulfillment uh, or shipping was included. So mm. there, there was a campaign in January that canceled because of that also, and they are relaunching some sometime soon. Actually, the game looks similar to ours. Mm. So uh, we will probably back it. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, the, the thing is, starting with that, we managed to somehow uh, mediate that uh, to fix it at, at one point during the day. Uh, but then uh, we saw that uh, numbers aren't rising correctly. Uh, like I said, the, the math wasn't right for the game to succeed on the project. And also, uh, we got some feedback from the people. Uh, uh, people needed to see more about the game, mm. uh, which we weren't, uh, let's say, very transparent about. Uh, we had some. We didn't have any playthrough video video that people ask for and and stuff like that. So we are now working on that and uh, to to make it for everyone to see. And also, uh, well, probably we need to be heard more. Mm. So that's one of the things that's always a requirement. So the community and things like that, maybe. Yeah, we, we have already have a like uh, our tavern group, Tavern of Zamrock, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it needs to be filled with more people and enthusiastic about the game. So, and it's happening at yeah. this moment after the campaign. Uh, so uh, we are getting more interested parties and uh, we are working on... Um, answering some things we also had one pledge only uh seems like um, there are people who would uh, acquire the game but they don't have that much of money because of the miniatures and everything yeah so we we got a request okay why don't you have meeples and uh, some changes to it so we are thinking about that and i see so almost like a lower pledge value but instead of the minis exactly or something like that so having a deluxe and basic version yeah, you did have like a, a dice tower review. You had a um, you mm-hmm. know a, a couple overview videos. Um, the artwork, which again I'm I'm scrolling over on the page, looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. In terms of you. your uh, pages, I I think you guys, I mean the page looks great. Um, so in terms of I think showing what's in the box, mm-hmm. there's a lot of good info here, and um, so you know. One of the coolest things to me is the minis themselves. Uh, I think that's probably one of the things that's going to bring people in uh, is the these cool minis and uh, and the graphics and the artwork. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very, very beautifully designed. Um, I wonder if the pledge amount, um, in terms of your overall goal, uh, was something mm-hmm. that, that needs to be kind of considered as well. Right. Um, so when you run the math on these campaigns, typically uh, the math goes that um, if you're not at like 70% funded uh, in the first 48 hours, you're probably not going to cross the finish line uh, without really, really grinding it out. Um, so the higher that number is uh, or the gate, the higher, the, the tougher it is, obviously, to hit that 70%. Is there going to be any wiggle room for you guys at all to... Um, you know, to adjust any of that uh, at all um, in terms of, you know, kind of your, your your goal? Yeah, that's also one of the considerations. So to lower the goal, uh, that yeah. also adds, uh, well, for indie developers, that adds, uh, we can say some, um, how do you say, risk. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, we believe that, uh, that that can be one part of the goal too. Yeah, certainly I find minis are very expensive. Um, mm. 
you know, I don't think people realize it's, it's, and it's not even the mini cost itself. It's the molds, right? Um, you could be spending $3,000 on a mold for, for a mini, right? So if you've got a box, that's really mini heavy. You got to try to find a mold that can punch out a bunch of different characters in the same kind of, uh, mm -hmm. um, same run, but it is not cheap. Uh, so if you have a game that you've got one pledge and it's, it's, it's a lot of minis that kind of puts you in a position where, um, you kind of have to, um, you know, have the higher, the higher goal amount. Did you guys ever consider having them as add-ons, the minis? So have the base game yes. and then just have the minis as an add-on? Yeah, we, we thought of, uh, like separating. So that, that's one of the ideas now. So to separate, uh, minis as an add-on to yeah. add different pledges and stuff like that. Yeah. And in terms of your, your community outreach, and I'm sure you've had a lot of people kind of cheering for you. I was reading through the comments on the page, very uh, complimentary mm -hmm. where people are saying, Hey, can't wait till this gets relaunched. So excited. You made the right call. Mm -hmm. uh, glad you guys uh, made the call quick. Right. So I think that, um, you know, you've got a lot of fans there that are, that are really rooting for you to, to see you succeed and are going to come back obviously when, uh, when you relaunch the campaign. Um, what are some of the other things that you guys are doing to kind of reach out to fans or maybe engage new fans? Mm, so, well, uh, first of uh, many things is uh, we're going to try to reach too many reviewers. Yeah. And uh, to move game a bit around. That's one of the things also. Uh, well, of course, there's marketing. <laughs> so yeah. we need to invest in that in the next months. And, uh, well, talking to you is one of the things also. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, do you guys have, like, uh, for social media, is there, like, a, a Discord channel you guys have? Or, or how do people, like, there's your website, which is Eye of Zamrock. I'm going to put a link in that yeah. in the show notes so people mm -hmm. can find that easily. Um, but where, is, is there somewhere online people can follow and kind of be part of this journey? Uh, so currently we have a Facebook group. So Tavern of Zamrock, uh, mm -hmm. that's one thing. We have a Facebook page, so it can be followed from there. That's one of the things. And we have a Discord channel, but we haven't been using it. And uh, we are really thinking about turning it on and uh, having people there to open up discussions and stuff yeah. like that. So that, that would be for the best. And if people want to get into this world, is there mm -hmm. like a tabletop simulator version or an online version somebody could play test and, and try it or...? Well, there are so many of us, so we didn't uh, have the time to make it. Uh, we, we could make it, and uh, we will at one point, but uh, at yeah. this moment, it's difficult. Yeah, it, when you have a game that's this this big and this heavy, uh, mm. certainly it's uh, that can be a challenge, you know, obviously creating mm. it. Um, what about, like, live playthroughs? Will you guys do some things like that, maybe, um, you know, either on a, on a Twitch or on YouTube, so people can kind of tune in and kind of watch the game live is that something you guys mm -hmm. are, are looking to do or well uh it depends uh the problem is game is one hour per player so i'm not sure if oh, wow. uh, somebody would like to watch six hour gameplay yeah. or something like that <laughs> you never <but> know <laughs> yeah you never know that's a possibility so yeah we're we're also thinking about that we are uh, for uh, for the starts uh, we are gonna uh, film some uh, playthroughs ourselves yeah or, and how to play videos, uh, but also uh, one of the games is uh, will soon go to Dennis Gaming. Uh, he's mm. uh, gonna make a play, uh, play not play through how to play video. Yeah, and uh, we'll see. 
where it goes further. That could be a good, uh, almost like a contest, right? So anybody that mm. tunes in to watch, uh, even if they don't stay for the whole time, but they just tune in to watch, mm-hmm. their name goes into a draw maybe for uh, a copy of the game, right? You could maybe do yeah. a, a draw or something like that to, to kind of make an event out of it. But it just looks mm. so cool. Like, it'd be so awesome to see. Like, have you guys 3D printed these? Like, do you have the actual minis mm-hmm. that you can you can play the yeah. game with? So like this... Oh, nice. Yeah, we have, we have them printed so can, out. So you can play with the minis already. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and- my problem is I'm I'm uh, like a bit of a tinker. I like to make prototypes uh, out of everything. So when I have an idea, I, I really make it and then we try it and uh, it can fail, it can succeed. So we'll see. Yeah. And what are your other team members? Like what, what are their roles in this? So you're the the story started with you um you know clearly they're all involved in helping kind of mm-hmm. you know adjust and tweak the game uh, how have you guys kind of divided up like the labor mm-hmm. and the roles and responsibilities uh, across the company uh well we decided uh, that i'm gonna be the tiebreaker team lead so when we decide on something uh, and we're not sure if it's if we're gonna go with it i'm, I'm the deciding vote uh, also, I'm uh, making the story as we go and uh, making the prototypes. Uh, then we have uh, Milos, uh, who's uh, behind the math and uh, some mechanics, and he's uh, doing uh, a bunch of, like, let's say, solo testing. He uh, throws the prototype and tries every possible scenario. Then we test it, and that's how we get initial tests. Uh, then uh, Goran, uh, he's, uh, he created uh, the OST for the game. Uh, he's uh, doing the marketing stuff and uh, preparing. He prepared all our Facebook ads and uh, and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, he also created the Kickstarter page. And uh, so we are diverse in, in that side. And also Marco, he's our community manager. And uh, he's also working in marketing. So he's uh, so we're like separate in that, those areas and of course we all are adding uh, to the value of the game uh, and uh, I don't know when somebody has like uh, doesn't need to work directly on some part but has another idea we try to implement it and work, work on it no, that's cool is there any key things that you're changing in this game before you relaunch at all or is it going to go uh, as as it is uh I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, well, uh, we had uh, a few comments that uh, we have a slow burn start because the game is just like that. And uh, for new players, uh, it's uh, probably a difficult thing to get into the game. So mm. we are now trying to create some scenarios or something that uh, people can uh, easily get into the game. And uh, we're also trying to, to make it more uh, accessible, maybe faster. Because we always had that idea, but uh, now we have the time to work better and uh, make it until next launch. So almost like two different modes. You have like kind of the quick mode, which is okay. here's a scenario. You play with the scenario and then more of the longer campaign mode. If someone wants to go like the full kind of soup to nuts. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. When are you guys relaunch? Have you picked a relaunch date or when are you guys looking to relaunch this? Mm, so not yet it's too early to tell but uh, we are gonna listen to our crowd 
mm -hmm. our tribe and uh, to see uh, where it leads us. But it's, let's say, four to six months or something like that. But we'll see. Yeah. Are you guys going to profile at Essen in the fall? Mm, we'll see. <laughs> Essen is expensive. That's one thing for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's costly. More costly for people like me that actually have to fly yeah, there. <laughs> that's true. That's Instead of true. hopping on a train, but yeah, it's a uh, it can be an expense. As, as an exhibitor, it's uh, way more expensive than just a visitor. Yeah, oh for sure. For sure. I think that's mm -hmm. the case probably with most of these uh, these uh, conferences, right? Yeah. Um well, hey, you know, I I am rooting for you guys. Um you know, this game to me looks really cool. Uh, obviously you've got a lot of people that, you know, in the first few days, you got a lot of backers. Uh, so it seems like just some, you know, some minor retooling here. Uh, you've got a, a game that's, that's going to fund. I don't, I don't have any doubt about that. It's just getting it to that right funding goal, I think, and having to kind of match up with that. But clearly you have a huge fan base and I can't wait to see where you guys end up this year. Please drop me a line when you relaunch so that I can at least uh, let our community know. And I want to wish you, you all the best in your team in this coming year. Take care. Thank you very much. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time. Oh,